0: There can only be individual justice. There is no such thing as social justice. And there's two reasons for it. One is only you can suffer. And in order for you to have a moral society, you must only suffer for the consequences of your actions to the extent that they determine how you act. So that's why I I go for Aristotle over Plato. I think social justice is a platonic idea and individual justice as an Aristotelian idea.
1: Transmitting directly from the launch pad. in blue color to your cell tower the rock and roll libertarian himself it's time to blast off with johnny rocket hey this is blast off with johnny rocket and i'm johnny rocket with my red truth miss really Lightheart. Damn.
2: Hello. Hey, Johnny. What's
1: up? Ah, nothing much. Nothing much. I have uh, been on this job search for the last three weeks. I
2: know. I got to make that cheddar. I've been on the phone with you. I've I know. Been- it
1: sucks, though. Like, I didn't realize. <laughs> like, I might. my resume is like, he is Jesus Christ. He walks on water. And I can do everything there is. And yet, like, still, like, and, and I have a proven results of all these things that I've done. And yet I still try to like, you know, apply to like Circle K and they're like, uh, we think you're overqualified for this job. you overqualified. You yeah. know, Johnny, I
2: have to say that I, I think know. it's hilarious. You've made an entire career of saying unpopular things and used to be in this, uh, like, and everybody loves you because you do do all that. You say, you do the two-minute hate speeches. You get out there and say these bold things. Yeah, I do. And mm-hmm. you kind of, and now you have to like ask for approval. What?
1: I know. Right. This sh- Ridiculous, like, uh, but no, I, free
2: market I, concepts,
1: baby. Oh, it it's sucks. Stuff. No, it's it's very frustrating to me because you know I wake up in the morning and I do these things and I you know I run Launchpad Media. We run it with Rob Stratton and you and we we get together every week and we talk about these ideas and we get these things out there every week and content and we have writers and oh I'm organizing and I get down to the nitty gritty and they're like, do you have basic leadership skills? I'm like, bitch, I ran a platoon. You know, I was in the military at all, man. I could could run anything. It just blows my mind how, like, difficult it is because Mm -hmm. of the the software these companies use, like with your resume. So every resume has to be, like, tailored to that job. So, like, you could have a a brilliant-looking resume, but they have these programs that look for buzzwords or keywords in your resume. Yes, they do. Right? And you have to, like, tailor every... So I'm gonna apply to this job... So now I have to, you know, switch my resume up to make it yeah. sound like I'm. You're lo- still
2: you're still on the old school way. And, yeah, um, like I'm in, you're right in and like a generational shift. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: so I'm like I'm kind of like a I'm a Gen X guy, but at the same time it's like I'm still I love technology, but technology has actually become a hindrance because there could be some very good candidates out there, but if you don't pass that screening program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're kind of screwed, and so like every resume, so it requires like double work than you what you used to. Like back in the day, you'd show up, be like, "Here's my resume." Like, goddamn! Well, amazing. your
2: personal charm has always probably gotten you through. I always do better when I drop my resumes off and they talk to me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is the the few times that I did do the old school method, I walked in, gave my resume, and they're like, "Hey, dude, thanks a lot for dropping off a resume, but have you applied online?"
3: Applied online? Yeah, dude. No,
1: no you you know and I, it's just like Well, oh, you're
2: on one today jeez louise i
1: know i'm a little upset because i'm just i'm so tired of these uh these <laughs> you no know, don't get me wrong i love tech and if there's anybody who doesn't love tech i mean i, I do i, I <laughs> but that being said i think tech is also kind of <laughs> in regards to job search because they want to weed it's, out
2: it's a fickle it's a fickle yeah, fickle it, thing yeah absolutely it, it is, this is why of, we can't have ai in charge of things
1: this is why we can't have nice things I'm telling you. It's true. All right. So today uh, we're talking about social contract. And social contract is an implicit agreement among the members of society to cooperate for social benefits. For example, by sacrificing some of your individual freedoms for state protection, theories of social contract became popular in the 16th, 17th, in 18th centuries, among theorists such as Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, and Jean-Jacques Rousseau, as a means of explaining the origin of government and the obligation of subjects. Talking today, we, we are actually talking to Monica Perez about social contract. Monica Perez is an anarcho-capitalist and a proponent of Austrian economics and an uncompromising defender of personal liberty join her on the monica Perez show in atlanta georgia and the propaganda report podcast to discuss current events politics economics and life in general from a libertarian perspective okay raylene prepare for liftoff
2: copy that johnny
1: covers tie downs and grounding cables
2: removed as required
1: communications connected check preamps in the green check cold beer double check Thrusters are hot, Raylene, Are you ready to rock? All systems
2: go, Johnny.
3: Let's blast off with Monica Bam. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome
1: to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I feel, I feel like uh, I'm shooting off into. The ethereal realm of high ideas. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. And I libertarianism.
0: This. You can say. Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> I've got my safety belt fastened, and uh, I'm ready for wherever this ship takes us. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, Monica, thank you so much for being here. And, uh, again, I'm going to give a, a hat tip to my buddy, J.J. Boogie, who actually introduced us to you. And uh, I was really excited to actually talk to you after I learned a lot about what you've been doing and I have heard your show um, on, on a, via podcast, The Monica Perez Show. And here's the thing. You're on terrestrial radio, which is like blowing my mind. Because a lot of us cats who've been doing the broadcasting thing forever have been, you know, we've been trying to get on goddamn terrestrial radio. And you have actually accomplished this, right? Yeah. Yeah. How has the response been cuz I mean you you're a, you're a hardcore advocate for libertarianism and anarcho capitalism. Oh, yeah. Yes. How has your response been with the local public in Atlanta, Georgia and how long have you been doing this to get yourself it's, on the map?
0: People tried to do it and nobody can really accomplish it but I did not try. I was studying for some financial tests, chartered financial analyst tests. And like my mind was on fire and I stumbled (laughs) onto Hans Hermann Hoppe at the time. And it's like, it's like my pediatrician told my son like his, at his age, his testosterone's going crazy. So if he did some push-ups, he would like bulk up overnight. And yeah. that's what it was like for me. Like my brain testosterone was like ripe for all this financial stuff. And Hans Hermann Hoppe fell in and grew in my mind. And uh, at that time, I went to a wedding and sitting next to me was a radio producer, local radio producer and she just she just was like blown away by the the ideas like saying stuff like society is self-ordering and that kind of thing she introduced me to her boss and i have been on WSB ever since then and that was Oof. seven or eight years ago I'm all I only have a, a Saturday show I have my theories about this from 3 to 6 they, p.m yeah yes yes so usually the weekends are an incubator for a weekday show and it's a very big station and people do sit on Saturdays for like 10 my predecessor was there for 13 years before he got a daily show so Neil boards No, no. Neil Bortz was like a huge guy during the day, but like there was a guy, Mark Aram, he's a great host. He's got a daily show, but he was the Saturday afternoon guy for like, oh, well over a decade. So I'm not taking it personally, but there's a chance that I'm, Okay, there because I don't have the crazy reach that like a Daily Show would have. Right, and right. I noticed I was reading Cass Sunstein's conspiracy theory memo, which I've read like so many times, and always something new opens up. And mm-hmm. in one passage, it says, "You absolutely need contrarian voices in order to give credibility to the to the media." So that alone could explain what I'm doing it there. But your question about. Yeah, how people responded. Amazingly, my friend, she became my friend. The producer I met at the wedding. She would worry that people would think I was crazy because, like, you naturally once the scales fall from your eyes and you see the two-party psyop that their policies are converging, yet they polarize us more and more over time. Like, you can just see through the Mm bull. So when I, so you, you can see like when there's a false flag event or whatever, and I would not hesitate to explain anything that I could really uh back up and mm-hmm. she didn't like it. She was nervous for me and she was worried that people would think I was crazy. And in reality, the audience reception mm-hmm. has been great. Like, first of all, they love the politics and the, and the stuff where like things aren't as they appear in the mainstream media. I've got a uh, uh, reserved reception to that. But over the years, as things I've said have panned out, mm-hmm. they, that people have written to me and said, you know, people used to think I was crazy listening to you. And then they were like, wow, how did she know? And I'm like, well, I know because I'm not deluded. I know. And you're not paid off. It's
2: called pattern recognition, guys. It's actually,
0: (laughs) exactly what it
3: is.
2: (laughs) Okay. Now I see why everyone said that I was going to love you because this. Yeah. Not too many people throw that out. You're pulling words right out of my head. Um, First of all, I just want to comment on things you just said um, instead of asking a whole lot of questions right now. Number one, Uh, I didn't try. You just did. That's amazing. So I just want to point that out to all of those people that are thinking about being an entrepreneur. I'm having to be brave myself about becoming an entrepreneur. And it is scary to put yourself out there and take these risks, but but there was no pandering. You just did what was something that you're passionate about and people are feeling that from you. So wonderful. Um, two, you started with Hoppe. I have to tell everyone out there right now yeah. that yeah. I have got to comment on that. I am grinning right now because Hoppe is the most controversial uh, philosopher and economist that we have um, in the Philosophy of self ownership and and uh, being an anarchist and and just the whole thing is, yeah and a private property that you started with yeah. the most controversial to get these amazing ideas out there. So your show uh, format features uh, call-ins from people who want to ask questions and comment on what you're talking about. Has there ever been a guest who inspired you or made you dig deeper into something?
0: Well, I don't... This is the distinction of this show is that it is not an interview-based show. It's a call-in show. So the callers are just people who are listening... And and the two things I said as like kind of my ground rules going in, which I thought was a little bit different from what most people were doing on the radio, was that I was never going to say anything I did not truly believe. Like, I'm not just going to read the headlines. I'm going to tell you what I really believe. Maybe I'll keep my mouth shut once in a while, but I'm never going to just like say something because I know people want to hear it. And I was never going to be mean to callers. They encouraged me in the beginning to be combative because people like it. It, it is but itself, I just, itself, yeah. I can barely put people on hold while they're talking. You know, I can't even hang up on them like, bye, thanks for calling, you <laughs> right, know? Yeah. Like, I just, I can't get over that. And I and I decided not to. So I do get trolls, like people who clearly have a script. And sure. I, can, I can recognize them. Sometimes I flip them. Often I stagger them because I really just want the truth. And they're expecting someone who's engaged in the dialectic. So when they tell me, you know, Trump, Okay, yeah, I got it. Like, I have my reasons. What are yours? And they're just like, I'm, 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 like, I'm Yeah. So, um, wow. But, but there are people, it's really amazing that people call in who, uh, As that my first producer who was like nervous about the things I said, she said, I can't believe it. Like you, even if you don't go there, your callers go there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I had somebody call once and said, I heard you say that you were an anarcho-capitalist and I literally spit out my coffee in my car. Like, what the heck are you doing on the radio? That's
1: awesome. I know. That's great. I I mean, and that's something that you should be celebrating.
0: Are you the only one? Probably. Yeah. And I, you know, I couldn't believe that, Sorry, but then it it was true. Like my, I remember like I was growing up, my father would like, tell me about the UN and he was just a hardcore libertarian and he didn't go for like the neoconservative stuff. He had thought he was a conservative because he was like a traditional conservative or classical liberal, but then it got out of hand. So I had this, this like template cause my father's like almost like a whole generation too old for me. I'm the youngest of nine. So I had this like retro framework in my mind. And uh, I was I realized after some years, actually, that the audience, the general listening audience, especially maybe in that region or that demographic, they have that too. That is the American way, which is why Ron Paul tapped into this grassroots of people really loving, like a warm blanket, his ideas about economics and personal liberty and responsibility. And that's why I think they inserted Trump to take the emotions of people and just just disconnect it from that kind of archetypal ideology that we share. And that's why I like the immigration thing is, you know, makes things complicated. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if I want to open that topic. Uh,
1: okay, so I'm going to jump in here and let's get to our our, our main topic here. And I, I think it's absolutely awesome that you're doing this. And again, I, I, I'm just blown away that you're actually on terrestrial radio as an <laughs> anarcho capitalist. And I know that you've had challenges. I know you're going to, you know, you're trying to defeat the system and, and you're trying to explain this stuff to people. And I really applaud your radio station for giving you a, a voice. An yeah, opinion, and that yeah. and that shows some courage on their end. So, I mean, hat tip to them. Thank you, guys, over there at uh, I, I can't remember I, WBN. I would like
0: to clarify one thing. I I did have to make a decision when I decided to go down this road of taking that job that uh in order to really connect with the audience i couldn't just say you know what the constitution whether by design or how it turned out like it's just it didn't work you know mm-hmm. that's not a very productive place to start and i i really did some soul searching and decided that it was a completely valid thing to do to defend the bill of rights as protections against a government that i did not consent to but that whoever pretended that there was a contract going on there was forced to put those protections in so that people would convince themselves that they were consenting. So I do defend the bill. Of, I just wanted to clarify because I, that was a, a bit, that was the challenge about being an anarcho-capitalist and being on terrestrial radio is that you really needed a touchstone for people to understand what, why, what you were doing was valid and not kooky, and so the Bill of Rights is very important to me. And I've actually come to really believe that it's worth defending as kicking the can rather than, you know, what I mean. That's where we yeah. are, and I and I respect it and I defend it. It's in, a good start, sincerity.
1: Yeah, and that's a good. Uh, uh, um, the amendments were really great for the Constitution and holding on to what little freedom and liberty that we do have. So for the newbies out there, you know, the the person who doesn't even understand what the hell we're talking about, Monica, what is social contract? Why do some people insist that we have one? And why is it so goddamn dangerous? Like this stuff is dangerous. The idea of social contract. And maybe you can explain better than I could, but there is this like written rule that society sets the tone and we're obligated to do X, Y, and Z because we were born here and I think it's so maybe you can explain a little further
0: well the way you know I'm not I'm not a student of it academically or philosoph. you know I don't even I mean I I think I have the basic framework of how it emerged philosophically Mm -hmm. I think you kind of had the enlightenment and the pre-enlightenment where the it, it, it justified the relationship between the citizen and the state as being mutually beneficial and voluntary and it seems to me that that's how it worked and and what they say is that we have agreed to delegate some of our rights to the government in order to uh, uh, defend them more effectively and in and in so doing, we create a moral hazard that the government can then use that stuff against us, which I think is where the Bill of Rights comes in, as protections against the power right. we just delegated to the government. Mm-hmm. And so that contract looks good. And if you look back at the U.S. history, I think you see that there were raging debates, the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers. That's what I consider to be the contract negotiation. And I'm not, I I believe that the Federalists who were in favor of replacing the Articles of Confederation, which I prefer, with the Constitution, which I don't love. I do love the Bill of Rights. I do not Mm -hmm. think the Constitution, the Constitution is a little broad compared to the Articles of Confederation. And so when they brought out that, the federalists brought out that idea of um, they made kind of promises, you know, they made it, they, they painted their intentions in a certain way that was designed to get people to believe that it was limited government. And thank God, I believe it was George Mason who insisted on the Bill of Rights Mm -hmm. and and so when so, like when you hear people say, "Oh, I'm debirth certificating myself because this contract is really a chattel ownership contract, I would say, I, the reason I don't go down that path is a contract that you're unaware of, that you really don't consent to, that you're not." I don't have a meeting of the minds right. is not a valid contract. So mm-hmm. that, that stuff can't mean anything, but, but they, so when, so when Lysander Spooner says the constitution might've been designed this way, or Albert J. that the constitution might've been designed this way to make a big government to make you know, whichever works, it's invalid. I would say they promised us the meeting of the minds we had was that it was a limited government. And and then as that so so here is this contract they claim that we made with them, which I don't know if we have, if you look into the whiskey rebellion, which I really have to study, that was kind of the first like, what the hell just happened? You know? They, yeah. Yeah, it know? was
1: under Washington. Yeah. And then the next one was the Alien and Sedition Acts.
0: with yes, Adams. Well, yes. Yes, and even the Louisiana purchase, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so, so the bottom line is, as we've moved away from that, those strict terms of that contract, and have really devolved, I would say, into a democracy. People argue with me, but it looks me, and that is why immigration is a big issue. It looks to me like the legislators and even the executives on the judicial branch all seem to claim the power of legislation. Mm-hmm. They they seem to, to act as if legislating uh, through a kind of representative democracy can trump the objective rights and law that is in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. So like the Defense of Marriage Act or Obamacare, I mean, these things are completely unconstitutional. So that brings me to the final chapter in my mind, which is, I kind of renamed it democracy, is the opiate of the masses. So we look, instead of saying, these people are violating these these rights, even I don't even consent to the contract, but to the extent I am bound by it, I expect the terms that are in my interest, the quid pro quo that makes it a valid contract should be honored. And that is the compromise. There is no like compromise on gun rights. The compromise is that we let you have guns. That's the compromise.
1: That's right. And then I'm for gun control, getting the guns out of the government hands. How about that? Yeah. I'm for government. They can't
0: handle it. Yeah, exactly. They can't handle it. They can't. They're going to use the guns that we let them have to take our guns away. Like that contract void, (laughs) you know? So, but the fact that democracy, they've convinced us, and this is why the polarization of, um, you know what's happening right now yeah. it's not policy oriented it's identity oriented because you can't change that about yourself and if they can draw find a line in the middle to draw they can have us at each other's throats but we always look to the other side as saying that they are the ones who are voting their rights away and they are the ones. So we are are distracted from what's really happening, which is the contract is between us and them and they are violating it. It's not the, the other people who we hate for voting the other way. I mean, not we, but like generally.
2: It's a system itself. It's the nature of the system that's been set up to keep us looking at each other instead
0: of at the state, correct? But the other people that we're looking at do not have the power to take those basic rights away. Yes, you look at them, we give them the fault, but it's not, it shouldn't even be in their power. The whole thing is a scam. And that's when I start thinking that we really don't even have representation, that like we're so corrupted at this point in the government that anything that we really don't want, they just don't tell us about chemtrails. Like, I don't know. It took me a long time until They're very real, recently. Dude, I'm with no, you, girl. Recently, like I was They're just admitting like, it. this is ridiculous. Like I yes. can't deny it now, but we didn't ask, or 5G is a better example. Like the federal, Absolutely. the F. CC under trump is forcing down to the municipalities they cannot go through their own legislative process so like that is not democracy like that isn't even that isn't even democracy like, and do we really democracy want democracy
1: bullshit. that's the no, no, no question no, I mean,
0: but,
2: oh. but they're lying about what it even is they, they they've actually removed the only power that they tell you
0: that you have
3: they, right. don't, they don't even
0: have that this is the transition I'm saying, is that there was the social contract which they violate. So they replaced it with this illusion of democracy, which they are not even they're not even giving it that giving us that. They are actually just jamming it down our throats. I don't want democracy. I don't even want that social contract. but these things are all, these things are getting progressively worse.
2: Absolutely. So what I'm hearing, everything that you're saying, even with the whole living, breathing document that the Constitution, we're always told that, right? And when you look at how they prepared it, they said any time the people come together and decide they want more safety or more protection from our government, they can create it. Right there, in the very beginning of our country, I see the battle between, I'm going to say, the radicals and the pragmatics, which we always hear about in our circles, and the danger of pragmatism. Pragmatism is just compromising with immorality, in my opinion. It is just compromising. And so you're literally describing what people are talking about, even in the National Libertarian Party itself.
0: It is He went uh, and made them put William Weld, who literally said the day he was nominated, yeah. I just read your platform on libertarianism. Sounds good. It's like, are you really? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's an embarrassment.
2: And this is what happens when we promote pragmatism because it's the only way to work with with these people or everybody. And and so that's what you're describing. So I'm going to ask you this question because the National Libertar- Libertarian Party had some drama with their social media recently, and a lot of followers were angry, and they because they said silence is consent, and I want to ask you what your thoughts are on the term or the the phrase silence is consent.
0: That's very interesting. Uh, I have given some thought to that. I I don't see how that can be true. However, I did. So I'm saying no. I mean, if I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, yes, that doesn't make logical sense. But I went to law school. I'm a lawyer. I don't ever practice. I've never practiced, but I passed the bar. I call myself a lawyer. And uh, <laughs> you think about you think about stuff. And what, she, she goes hard, man. She yeah, goes hard. She's like, I'm, not fucking <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I, God damn it. I'm I, a I've accumulated credentials over the years. <laughs> so I, I remember in law school, it was actually a struggle academically for the first time in my experience, really like on a deep level because logic is not the answer. Logic is not does not get you to the correct answer, which is why there, I, I've heard that there are only three true professions. Uh, I think it's medicine, the clergy, and the law. Because law, it's like you have to have a certain cast of mind to really understand, like a truly brilliant jurist. It's not just a matter of logic. And, it, and that's really colored the way I think about society. And when I think about... The idea of um, silence is consent at a certain point. Like I read a book called um, like UN, the the Korean War brought to you by the, or peace brought to you by the people who gave you the Korean War. It was about the UN. It was a mid-century book. And he talked about that the UN treaty, which is totally unconstitutional for us to sign, if we don't object to it, we are consenting to it and that we needed to get off our asses and consent and object to it vociferously. And, and as I thought about it, so that was 70, 60, 50, I don't know how long ago he wrote that book, but we, the world has built a lot of reliance on the UN treaty
3: mm-hmm.
0: and we did not object to it. So right. our silence to the extent that, you know, there's reliance around the world you know, good people build their lives around it. There is, there is a deeper logic to silence is consent. You know, I,
2: I don't, I can't necessarily. So give can you we, an answer can we, can you- we play around with this idea? And and because I have actually been guilty in the past of, of kind of believing that. Um, I, I I'm, I was wrong. Um, because I didn't. Look at it. I didn't understand philosophically where I was, what I was really saying by, by, uh, I, I was silent on silence's consent, is what I should say. Now, what I felt in my gut, because I am a challenger and I'm a person who is bold and brave, like you and like Johnny, um, who's, who feels it's I'm my not brave. Duty. Chicken. Well, but you know, it's our duty to say unpopular things, it's our duty it to share the good news of self ownership. Um, And it's, uh, it is. So we have kind of, because we say what we think and we say unpopular things and we are bold, it is easier for people like us to kind of agree with that. But silence is not consent when you have a coercive uh, uh, Leviathan state that is oppressive or right so so obviously silence is not consent because it is it is silence is not consent and that is a used to commit force on and initiate aggression against others or because somebody was trying to protect their children so they didn't want to stand up to the government yeah. it doesn't mean they are victims so but i do think that that is the people that think it's okay to say silence is consent the rare they're coming from is it's your duty to stand I, up and say something if you can I, I,
1: okay really quick and i'm going to jump in and i'm i'm Please. sorry to interrupt but no, silence isn't because if you're a homeowner and somebody is dumping, like, and I'm going to use the Tom Woods analogy on social contract is if somebody's dumping trash in the front of your lawn and you live at a house and you don't say anything, right? It doesn't mean you're consenting. Or if you don't move because they are, it doesn't mean you're consenting to mm-hmm. that. Just because you're there and somebody's dumping trash doesn't mean that you're consenting to the person dumping trash in your front lawn.
0: Here's here's what I have to say. From a legal, from when you learn in law school, there are rules about like squatting and hostile, like if people hostily intrude on you and you don't say anything. And this is what it all goes down to. And this is the, I would say, the only valid starting point for ideological disagreement in law or philosophy I've ever come across, which is not in philosophy, but in like law or politics is the origin of property rights. Mm -hmm. So people die. I think it's completely valid that you can't own anything if you're dead. So that means that the question of property rights is an always emerging. Like you always have to answer that question. It's not a resolved issue. So, as and, and things, you know, so you have to say, how do you own that property? If you, if somebody else is using it for 50 years, didn't even know you owned it. Can you then come in after they planted an orange orchard and say, uh, ha ha, get off. I own all that stuff. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, and yeah. then, then what did you, did you, does the state issuing title, is that, the origin of property rights. I don't the want to say that validation of yeah. property rights. Yeah, I mean, what is it? So I'm not answering the question. I'm just saying I think that's why your thing about somebody dumping and you not saying anything, if you go back far enough, it it goes to how property rights are established and exchanged right. and
1: and, and transferred. And it's and it's everyone agrees to it. Okay, one last question before our first break, Monica. We as libertarians explain the idea of social contract and why it's wrong. But like, what about somebody like Soccer Mom Cindy? Like maybe one of your listeners out there in Atlanta, Georgia, um, who happens to be a big fan of the show. She loves us. She calls in every (laughs) week and tells us how much she loves us. But how do we explain to Soccer Mom Cindy why the social contract theory is wrong from a moral perspective?
0: Mm. Mm. Well, uh, the... The contract itself is invalid because you did not have the opportunity to evaluate and negotiate it. You're bound by a contract that your parents supposedly, or their parents, or your forebears entered into. You could say by immigrating, all of my ancestors were immigrants to this country, uh, like you know, over the past hundred something years. So perhaps you could say that they voluntarily entered into this. But I'm a believer in perfect property rights strict absolute property rights. So so the social contract gives somebody a right to so the basic the basic premise of anarcho-capitalism or libertarianism or I would say moral law, like law in a moral perspective, is don't touch me or my stuff. Mm-hmm. The famous Murray Rothbard thing. Don't touch me or my stuff. I got it. Mm-hmm. So so what you're saying is that this outside entity has a right to touch you and your stuff because it's you for the greater good. got something from them in return,
1: right? What about the public roads, right? So they should be able to steal from you because they just happen to provide roads from you well, for you without your consent.
0: The roads are a scam. They like are they a have scam. Access exactly. To your property, not right. not even like they're a public good. They are they are for the purposes of the government having access to your property, and I believe they require you to have access to your property. You could not have a piece of property that is not accessible by the government. Or
1: you have true. to have a, a, an actual mailbox on your property. It's a federal crime. Not Yeah, to so have. it's a
0: sword, not a shield. It's not a service.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro-Liberty radio program, Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on seven nights per week on hundred and ninety. Plus, radio stations and it's pro-liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart, always launching ideas, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Rock and roll. Hey, listener, chances are some of you are business owners, entrepreneurs, or have a product that you're dying to bring to market. Well... There's something that you all have in common. You need a killer brand, website, and an all-around awesome design to stand out from your competition. Well, I have the solution for you. Invisible Hand Design. We've trusted them with Launchpad Media, Blast Off Branding, Liberty Force, and even my wife's presidential campaign website. They do not disappoint.
2: Yeah, didn't they also do the branding for McAfee in 2016? Damn straight.
1: So if your company's image could use a hand... Go ahead and reach out to them.
2: Right. They're even offering Blastoff listeners a 20% discount on their first project. Book your conversation with them at invisiblehanddesign.com forward slash Blastoff. Oh, hell
1: yeah. And we can even do one better. If you work with them, we'll feature the project all over our social media page to give you a launch and a little extra rocket fuel in your engine. Anyway, so that is invisiblehanddesign.com. Forward slash blast off again, invisiblehand forward slash blast off. This is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas in your direction. Hey, this is Blast with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my reinterview, Miss Raylene Lightheart Bye. Hello. What a fun show so far. I can't hey, wait to
2: hear these rocket fire questions. Oh, I know. I'm
1: excited, Ray. Are you having fun? I'm having a great time with Monica. You
2: know,
1: me too. Speaking of Monica, we're talking to Monica Perez. Thank you so much for being here on the show, Monica. (laughs) This is
0: great. It is a joy.
1: We are going deep, (laughs) like we are going deep into the heartland of liberty. What we do here in the second segment, it's called Rocket Fire. What we do on Rocket Fire, Monica, is we're going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions are politically or philosophically related. And if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Monica, Monica, are you ready to play play?
0: Rocket Rocket Fire? fire. I'm ready to play. Here we go. go.
1: Here we go. Question one. How has libertarianism changed your life? Oh,
0: my gosh. In so many ways. Uh... It gave me the touchstone to make decisions quickly and to instruct my children consistently and with a philosophy that will serve them well in life and if there's an afterlife.
1: Bam. Question two A system of widely accepted private property norms is what allows for peace to prevail. But what if the community does not accept these norms? What do you think could be the end result?
0: Wow, that's a tough one. Holy cannoli. Uh, What would be the end result if people do not accept the norms? Of private Um, property. Of private property. Uh, I believe that you will have a devastating crash in prosperity and productivity. Okay. Because there would be no reason for anybody to create anything because they could not hold it and would have to spend all of their resources defending what they had. So you would have people just kind of trying to live off the land or just degenerate to where you wouldn't have surplus wealth.
1: Right on, right on. Great answer. Question three. In your opinion, how would a libertarian or anarchist society handle issues such as pedophilia and other crimes against the powerless?
0: That is probably the best question. (laughs) Yeah, that there is.
1: Great. It was just, it's kind of the question that, you know, there is an issue there. There is a a hole because a lot of people have, this is a deep connection with a lot of people.
0: Okay. So I would say that protecting, let's say children is the, uh, is never going to be perfect. Right now we have, maybe it will be, maybe I'm wrong about that, but right now we have a system that, ends up, in many cases, not achieving that goal, even though it keeps other people from achieving the goal, which is a legal premise. Like you don't have a duty to act But if you prevent other people from acting, you do have a duty to to act. And then furthermore, they actually abuse it to where if you look into the story of Nancy Schaefer and her husband in Atlanta, she was exposing the actual child abuse and child trafficking that was emerging from child protection. And then she died in what was called a murder-suicide, but that's questioned. So what would happen? I think... Uh you I think the, the replacement for an ever overarching government that's further and further away from actual individuals observing each other, which same thing for welfare, is the community. You would actually have right. a community. you would have the concepts of subsidiarity. You would observe each other and you would know. So that's why like Charles Ramsey said about Ariel Castro, we had ribs with that dude. Like we can't believe he had girls up in that house. Mm-hmm. Because in a community, you don't expect that, and you are going to have norms or a person is ostracized yes. and not part of yep. the community and that and that is not you know let him let him go out to where he's got to live by himself and see how he does he won't be able to hurt anybody
1: I'm with you hundred percent yes, we need to be uh, it's got to be handled on the local level, you know just everyone knows like Which everyone would knows- just happen exactly I'm with you on that question four: The libertarian party has been around for almost fifty years. And has not seen much national success. Do you think the libertarians should abandon the political activism?
0: Mm, I don't. I'm not a big should person, but I think that the the death knell was sounded when those good people in the audience fell for Gary Johnson telling them to put William Weld as the vice president <laughs> on that last. I'm okay, if that's yeah. what you're talking.
1: Well, I'm I'm just saying in general, I mean, I think the Libertarian Party does have some good things going on and they do want to reduce the,
0: the state. Uh, well, look, Ron Paul said that he felt that this is an a, a, right now an irretrievable two party system and that he was going to make more headway as a Republican than as a Libertarian. But, you know, I do feel like we're in absolute total crisis and I detest the two party system. I think it's a it's a terrible thing and it's a it's a psyop of the highest order. I agree. Yeah. So so I, I, I imagine. But, you know, my thing is is not really so much policy because I'm such a diehard anarcho capitalist. Like, I don't want to fix this. system. You know, I can't even waste my time thinking about how would we fix the system? I defend the Bill of Rights because we have the system and it's our only protection. But wow. helping helping it work longer in a more compromising way, I uh, I think I'm with Raylene. Like I'm not a big compromiser.
1: Right on. Question five: Do you think there's an economic case for climate action? The
0: uh, the climate issue is a property rights issue, and mm-hmm. if you if you read Murray Rothbard, I forget which book it was in, but he wrote that. Uh, and true or false, and I believe it was true, but it does display the answer, which is in the time of the Industrial Revolution in England, the soot was invading private property uh, trees and stuff of people's estates. So they were suing factories to clean up their emissions and they were winning. So the government stepped in and said, industry is too important. We are not going to respect your private property rights. We are going to override them in favor of this industry but in fact if you have a claim you have a claim and and that's how
3: yeah
1: and if you, know you, I mean? it, yes, and if you had a private law society too i mean if we had private law they wouldn't turn the other you know they wouldn't turn the cheek on this and
0: Honestly, when I look up in the sky, there's two things that I would say. If anyone were to convince me there's man-made climate change, I would say two things. One is, weren't they blowing off nukes in the stratosphere? And yep. then they complained about a hole in ozone. I really don't know how that stuff works, but we're not going to, nobody's going to tell us. They're going to blame my hairspray. That's and right. Then, and cows
1: farting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing is, I look up in the sky when I was a kid. I used to, if I saw a jet leaving a little trail, I would run into my house and get my sisters and say, look, look, it's skywriting. They'd be like, no, it's not skywriting. That's just a little exhaust. I'm like, oh, it looks like (laughs) skywriting. So it rarely happened. And now I look up in the sky and I will see dozens of, of exhaust trails from airplanes all day long i i don't know if jets are different now from what they used to be or what but i'm looking up in the sky at things that are changing the climate that day you know okay. and i so i they're not telling us why that stuff's so different from when i was a kid and I, you know what i mean so there is climate change but i believe that the people who are telling us they need to implement policies to combat it are the very people who are bringing it to us
1: i agree Question six. On this show, we've always talked about how we want to attain a free society and get rid of the state. But let's just for social experiment here or mental experiment, let's reverse that. What do you think are some possible scenarios that if we have an anarchist society, what would be the reasons that it would evolve back into a state?
0: I, I, I think the thing and I, I think was it Robert Nozick maybe who said this? I think he changed his position from anarcho-capitalist. He gave that up after a while. Was it Nozick, N-O-Z-I-C-K? I think it was like Nozick, it. I
1: think. Yes, I know uh, anarchy yeah. state and utopia.
0: Yeah. good, nice. So I think the question I would ask him, and I want to ask Bob Higgs, is if human beings that 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 need for power in a in a segment of the population or the entire population is If there is a natural condition where there are some people who want power and will lie for it and that human beings will believe it. Okay. You just be duped in in a systematic way. Inevitably. That's my, that's my only question. Not that the, not that the mechanism would not be effective, but that there would be another organized fraud that preyed on the, goodness it's actually goodness of people and that they trust
1: i'm with you question seven is politics a tool of division and if so why would you think that
0: i definitely think that uh i think it's the i i was reading a book called the ideology of tyranny boy that was dense. <laughs> so I didn't get that far into it, but it was by uh, Guido Preparata. I think I his name was. The name. Ref-
1: it's like, yeah. Guido, come here. God damn oh, yeah. it. Come here. Yeah. I love the name Guido.
0: You should listen to him too. He's, a, <laughs> he's a just like wrapping yourself up in a, you know, whatever fuzzy blanket. I just love listening to him, but he wrote, so he wrote this book and he referred to Michel Foucault, which I don't, I never read him personally. And I but he said that the ideology of tyranny, which was emerging in the 80s, was that you could distract people from the totalitarianism that was descending upon them by focusing them on each other's identities, by just kind of sure. tapping into mm-hmm. that kind of primal stuff, which isn't even really natural. To, like, I mean, I'm not saying it's not there, but it's not where we are. It's not socially how we emerge at all. They have to really do an And I actually think that was when JFK had his aha moment when he saw what we were doing in Africa to create conflict. And I think he then gave his like Pax Americana speech uh, or not Pax Americana's Pax for everybody at American university. The last speech he gave before his death, I actually think was because of that or could have been. And that they take this, that this, they use it to distract us from the tyranny by, um, Focusing us on issues we cannot resolve. So okay. it's not even ideology anymore. It's identity. That's what the nature. And they finally managed to bring identity politics to the right, which was hard for them to do. But they did it
1: right on. Eight. At what point can libertarians who believe in non-aggression, right, use of force, mm-hmm. use coercion or force against authoritarians? And is it justified now? So basically, when can we like? When is it justified that we can go after the goddamn state? At what point? Yeah, what, what? When is it justified, or has it been this whole time? Mm.
0: I my thinking is, I mean, my knee jerk is that you would always, you can always use it in terms of self defense. So. If you want to organize, they like I read a story on the air the other day about a guy I think his name is Gary Willis who the they put a red flag law. His sister was mad at him and called the cops on him to get his guns taken away. So they came to take his guns away, and he was totally cordial until they actually tried to remove it from his hands. Then the gun went off and both cops shot him. Right. Some articles say it was one cop, but uh, so what they so they will come to you. <laughs> I, I,
3: you know, I know, but I—that's I, a tough to question. And, yeah,
0: and then it's defensive. But I don't know. I but hear like
1: we—we—we've been under the the government's rule forever, and we've been abused and and taxed and whatever. And and, and it will point—is it justified? I mean, that was just—it's a trick question because they're really—I I don't think there's a right answer. Because I mean, us as libertarians, we don't well, obviously I mean, want to use force.
0: Peel it back one more layer and say, how will that even be effective if you don't have? enough people who understand what you're doing and then in that case i'm not sure force is necessary
1: i don't know And at what point does a private organization become a government and do you think the terms state and government are inherently different
0: yes i do to the second question i look i believe it was knock in our enemy the state who Explored the difference between those or, or, or made it clear that he felt there was a difference between government and state. And the difference would be the difference. It's why people think anarchy means chaos. It absolutely does not. As a matter of yeah. fact, it would yeah. probably be less chaos than we have yes. because it's this monopoly on force and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, of course, which was used. Uh, in response to the Pope being named infallible, which surprised me That's when that quote first emerged. But the fact is that when you have that uh, lopsided situation, you absolutely will have abuse eventually, if maybe not the first round. You liked Obama, well, then Trump's the jerk. You like Trump, the next guy's going to be the jerk. But That's as right. soon as you give them absolute power, you've got problems. Whereas government can, I mean, my my home has government. hmm that's right. I govern my home.
1: That's right. And and I think there's a difference. And in the, in the state. And it's there voluntary is no, because exactly. my kids
0: want their smoothies.
1: That's right. All right. Exactly. So we talk about this all the time on our show, Raylene really, and I do. But like we say that, hey, uh, government is kind of a, a voluntary kind of organization or hierarchy. Right. So like you go to church, that would be a government versus the state where it's a monopoly.
3: Question 10, the last
1: question. What qualifies as educated consent?
0: Oh my gosh, that's a great question because I have recently made uh, a, a a decision that like conflicts with my knee jerk "liberty is absolute," which it is for sure. <laughs> but and and that's like pragmatism and sure. compromise. No yeah. thanks. But I will tell you, I think the plea bargain. Which is So the government defrauds you into thinking that they are legitimate, a representative government with objective laws, they are, that they are fulfilling the social contract. Mm-hmm. They defraud you into believing that they are behaving within the realm of the Constitution. And then they offer you these plea bargains that people take because they're under the delusion that there is some inherent fairness in the system, which there is not. So I believe... People having the right to accept a plea bargain, which seems like an act of liberty, is really uh, not informed consent because yes. okay. they've Good been point. defrauded. So, so I did not want to say plea bargain. You should not be, you know, you're, no, because this system that we're in is a tyranny, and those protections are are there because that uh, the you have to defend your part of this bargain. You don't want to be a part of, Bam. but but you
1: are that's awesome and that's rock and fire give it up for
3: Monica Perez bam
0: dude I would have totally had like a red bull or something if I knew you were gonna strain my brain
1: <laughs> yeah you did a great job anyways i was starting Rocket with Raylene Lightheart with Monica Perez and we're gonna take a quick commercial break we're gonna be right back rock and roll
2: Hey, Johnny, what's up?
1: Not so good. I haven't had any coffee this morning, and I ran out of my supply, and we just passed the last habitable planet in the messian sector.
2: Aw, man. Wait, you have your own secret stash of coffee? What is it, a special blend or something?
1: It's not a secret stash. I just have standards, okay? Oh,
2: okay. Wait, what are they?
1: Independence. What? Independence. Hmm, okay. Independence, my coffee, is fearlessly independent. My coffee has no board members, no bank loans, no bullshit just blood, sweat, and tears, and no goddamn rulers. <laughs> <you hear> me?
2: <laughs> well, I can always get behind independence, you know that, but it just seems a little over the top. It's just coffee. So, are you saying that you like your coffee like our messaging, which is bold?
1: Damn, really? my coffee is my lifeblood. This coffee <laughs> believes that human beings are perfectly capable of rational self-government, and I can't fly this fucking ship without it. Okay,
2: okay, calm down. Uh, oh, look, ground control's coming by. Oh, and Ben has coffee with him.
1: Hey guys, Ground Control here. I just checked out anarchocoffee.com and they're having a special 10% off promotional discount for Blast Off supporters. On top of that, supporters get 15% off on our Blast Off brew. Anarcho Coffee will deliver to you no matter where you are in the galaxy. You guys want some?
2: Here you go, Johnny. I heard this coffee is amazing.
1: <sighs> okay, all right. This is the best coffee I've ever had.
2: Wait, what about your special blend?
1: I think I just found it.
2: Wow. Well, and it says right here that anarcho-coffee is organically farmed, it's ethically sourced, and roast-to-order. And it's not stored in some dirty warehouse for six months before you get it. It's fresh, it's rich, and it's independent. <laughs> Just like you wanted.
1: And they take Bitcoin, too.
2: Well, make sure you check out anarcho forward slash blastoff. Again, that's anarcho forward slash blastoff. It's self-governed caffeine.
1: Sexy music. Wait, and now, <laughs>
3: Eileen,
1: you can go ahead and ask your questions.
2: He's very good at that, actually. Okay, so, um, I, I you were talking earlier about how you like to use the Constitution and more specifically the Bill of Rights for the baseline to bridge the the gap in, in talking to regular, everyday citizens who've been educated in the public school system, who believe that they're in one of the two parties. Maybe you know you're just trying to get these ideas across to people who are not maybe ready for them or don't aren't looking for them, right? So, um when you're talking to these people about our rights and the evils of the Leviathan state, uh it's a it's a great tactic. Uh can you lay out a plan of attack uh or abolition in the order you believe we could to reduce this government peacefully and painlessly as possible to get this country at least on the right track or or closer to what it was from the beginning?
0: Well, uh- to just to add one sentence to the idea of this is how I bridge I, I would say and I do say this to people if the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were adhered to, that is a compromise I would consider. like I Absolutely. might I might yeah. believe that limited government was not a utopian fantasy sure but I think it has proven itself that self-limiting government is not possible. It's not possible right. It's not possible and and I even went so far as to I had theorized, That uh, the inherent conflict of interest made the American experiment impossible. Mm -hmm. Only to discover when the scales fell off my eyes, all the false flags and um, all that social
2: engineering. Yes, the fact that the culture itself is maybe not a symptom, but uh, something being pushed and driven intentionally as a psy up on the people to get us to be in this position that we're in. I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so then, when I saw that the conflict of interest wasn't just a theoretical inevitability, it was we were living it right now, and uh, and I tell people on the air the treasure radio, like when I'm bridging that gap, I say, hey man, I get a lot of people who call and tell me what the you know the Illuminati's on top or the uh, lizard yeah. people or whatever. Yeah. I do not. I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't care. I go down yeah. some of those roads, we and they are a little yeah. like you know, they're, they're distasteful in a lot of ways. And I, and I determined, I said, Hey man, you don't know, you don't know what happened in El Paso. You don't know what happens in, you know, under Antarctica, you don't actually know, and you don't need to know what you need to know is what's written on that piece of paper. And you need to defend Bill Cosby, who is in jail after losing a, a plethora of his rights under the bill of rights. I mean that usually stops people down, but I'm but I'm saying it does not matter. You must fall on your sword for that, and so I would. I actually uh, I would take any amendment. Like I think I, I think the jury trial is extremely important. But what I would tell people to make those inroads, mm-hmm. restore the Tenth Amendment.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. decentralize absolutely. Well, we're about out of time with our guest, Monica Perez, so we're going to have to cut the radio show here and release the rest for subscribers only, which is fine because I really need to take a piss anyways. Well, if you would like to hear the rest of this interview, as well as the after party with Monica Perez, please go to supportblastoff.com. Rock and roll.